0: Welcome, everybody, to the Orange is the New Black podcast. I am Zim Hude, AKA Z Higgins. We are fresh off the NFL 2020 draft. I have my co host with me, Ace Boogie. But before he says anything, I just want you guys to take this second to check this out. My man was going so hard on draft night, he went so hard on the day after. I was sitting in all of his lives and everything like that. If you guys got some time, just go on YouTube, check out New Stripe City, um, check out everything that he did because his draft coverage on it was amazing, and he was going three hours straight each day. Without further ado, the man, the myth, (laughs) my co-host Ace Boogie.
1: Thank you, thank you, Sam. Appreciate that, man. And definitely had to represent for the diehards. I know that we were all glued to the draft, especially being what what. Took place, which we're pretty much about to break down, but it was just an amazing time, man. Got to really get with a lot of people, and uh, we also supported a Bengals fan as well, and also made a donation to the COVID nineteen fund. So we were able to also raise a hundred dollars uh, for that. Might seem like a little bit amount of money, but hey, every little bit helps. helps.
0: Hey, right. per- any any dollar amount, that's a dollar more than what somebody else did. It's a million people that ain't donating one dollar, so right, big they right. for that. Um, just starting out, I mean, I want to I want to give you the floor to just give your overall thoughts. I I just came off of last night. I was watching uh the Jordan uh last dance, right? Right. And this right. is episode three and four. And the similarities, I just started getting so inspired. I started looking up so much stuff. If any of you guys have watched the Jordan um uh 30 for 30 so far, it's been amazing. But the similarities on how one man can change a franchise. Um, and it's a snowball effect, are just, like, super, super uncanny, and it's, like, unmatched, like, how the parallels for this thing are just, like, off the charts. And and I'm really falling in love with this thing. And I got this tweet out that says, 2020, the Bengals will learn the triangle offense. But in 2021 and 22 is when they actually, like, let loose on it. And if you watch this series, you'll see how the Bulls, like, it took them a year or so to – to get into this triangle office and I'm calling it the triangle office because now um, just going off the recap of the, of the draft. We, we added some pieces and along the way, the biggest piece was Joe Burrow. So with that, just give me your initial thoughts. Like, how do you feel about this? Like going into this draft right now? Like, I mean, coming out of the draft right now, going into this first OTA, going into this first all season, like what are your expectations? How do you feel about the Joe Burrow pick? Like now that it's happened,
1: Oh, man, I feel great about it. I think it just was in some instances, not necessarily relief, but it seemed like something that we were waiting for and finally took place. And to just see the aggressiveness of the Bengals after that. Right. Because that was pretty much a layup pick. Like everyone knew if you had the first overall pick. You had to go with Joe Burrow. Right. And the excitement is there because it brings to you a sense of the Super Bowl win window opening. Right. We haven't had that in a while. Like when we had Andy Dalton as the quarterback, there were some instances where I felt like, man, after 2015, I don't know when we're going to actually even get close to being a Super Bowl contender. But Joe Burrow, as soon as that pick was announced, it's like, okay, the timer is on when are we going to be going to the Super Bowl? Because that is the type of caliber prospect that Joe Burrow is, and that's what is expected to happen when you have a quarterback taken like that. Then, obviously, after that, we had to see how Zach really bounced back in his follow-up draft to last year. Last year was almost kind of like a preseason draft for him, being that we had to wait until after the Super Bowl to hire him. He was behind the eight ball. He didn't really know much about the players outside of things that he discussed in interviews with the Brown family, but he was finally able to digest a full season of this roster and make his adjustments as he saw fit. There was one aspect, which I'm sure we'll touch on, that I was not uh, completely satisfied with of the draft, but outside of that, it was a really great draft for me in terms of where he hit and people that he went after. What about you, Zim?
0: I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, no I'm, 100, I'm 100% on board with, you know, like, yeah, a, a lot of people as we go into this episode, and I'm going to try not to be long-winded as possible, but coming into the draft, I already knew Joe Burrow. Like, you're talking to a guy, I I have a Joe Burrow jersey on right now. I've been screaming Joe Burrow since November, December. It was already a foregone conclusion. So, when you hear me talk about the draft, honestly, I look at the draft from the second round on, and uh not to not to take anything away from because joe burrow it, like you just said is the alley-oop that's the slam dunk easy like that that was without said i did a live thing my wife is in the background she looks a little nervous and i w- I should have panned the camera over her because it's almost like these bogus stories kind of maybe got to her because she came home when they was like hey uh they're saying that they might not drive i'm like man it's happening like this is already good so i've already believed this I've, I've created burrow baby shirts already before this thing even happened So my mind is a little bit further ahead in that regard, but I I led with that because I didn't want to take away from the greatness that that pick is and what it represents for the organization. Um, I would be lying if I, if I, if I said, I didn't see it coming. I just always thought it was going to be there. What's up Nova. What's up QT. What's up Zippity Doodah Day. We're going to try to get to some questions too, man. Thank y'all for coming on here, Curtis. Thank y'all for coming showing us love every single time, but overall the draft, was an excellent draft and I feel like this is one of the best drafts that we'll have in a while. And it's hard to say that now cause they're all prospects. The over, the one thing that I do want to talk about before we get in the draft that uh, that ultimately drops my grade down one letter grade is Andy Dalton. Like that's the one, that's the elephant in the room for me. Like um, the way that I, I process information sometimes a lot of people say, then why did not you give it an A, A plus A because I, my job is not to be some super fan that just rah, rah, rah everything that the Bengals do. My job is to keep it 100 with you and keep it all the way like, you know, like what it's supposed to be. They did not handle the Andy Dalton situation correctly on both ends. It's not fair what they've done to Andy Dalton. It's not fair that they weren't able to give the fans what they need because I, wanted, I want to show y'all a screenshot of the fourth round. And if you're talking about what Andy Dalton should have got or what he was rumored to have been – uh, offer from the Bears or whatever like to me the Bears made a big mistake by not taking that and the Bengals made a big mistake by not making that deal happen because of, the talent that was there in the fourth round would make this draft like that 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 could literally be the difference between a win this upcoming season and in the fact that they haven't moved them is a big big problem for me and just know I'm looking at the draft from that standpoint um too and it's not just the players that we drafted it's the one extra pick that wasn't drafted Do you have any thoughts on the Andy Dalton thing? Do you feel like they, like, I mean, like, what's a realistic scenario that you thought could have happened from Dalton?
1: Well, me personally, I didn't expect Dalton to get moved during the draft uh, because I think that based on what we've been hearing, I understand. I understand. I definitely understand that for sure. Um, But I think that.
0: I did. I thought he was gonna moved.
1: I think when when they didn't make the move for trading him to Chicago, right, Uh, Earlier on this season, when they ended up, Chicago ended up trading for Nick Foles, I think when they decided to keep him, they felt like at this point in my mind, it was like, okay, the most value you're going to actually be able to get for him via trade is if someone goes down in training camp. And I was like, I hate for it to be that kind of situation or something like that. But I feel like that's what they're thinking is right now is somebody likely isn't going to probably offer anything for him during the draft because They got all of these quarterbacks out there, Jalen Hurts and all of these guys, and they're still getting their rosters together. But I thought like they're probably aiming for it to be somewhere around preseason or training camp and they're banking on an injury to happen so that someone has to give them something because they really pretty much tried to put on a poker face and kind of got caught with their, their underwear down like essentially is what happened to them. So like right now, most people are expecting them to just release Andy Dalton and in in trade talks, they're probably like, I'm not going to give you anything other than a seventh round pick for him because you're going to have to release him because you signed all of these free agents. You just drafted Joe Burrow. So I think in terms of leverage, the Bengals have no leverage in that area. Mm -hmm. Uh, Outside of that, I think I have to agree with you still though, that in those later rounds, like the fifth round and the sixth round, I feel like there were certain players on the board where they could have addressed their biggest weakness, which I feel like they're doubling down on themselves. I understand that they have confidence in some of the young players in this position group, but when you got guys like Nate Moody there, and you got guys like Prince Tega, and yeah. you got guys sitting there, you have to take them. Now I understand that they did address offensive line. They did get one of uh, Jim Turner's, Uh, project players that he really loves but you would have just would have thought that there would be more emphasis on keeping your quarterback upright instead of this false belief in him and then the fact that you drafted Hakeem with the fifth round pick and then you see a fifth round pick get traded for Trent Mm -hmm. and and, uh, you see a fifth round pick and a third round pick next year get traded from San Francisco for Trent it's like that was a no-brainer for the Bengals to do something like that. So yeah. when something like that happens and you see a tackle, like I can get behind it if, okay, we're not taking any tackles in a draft class that is deep at tackle. Okay, cool, I can get behind that. If you sell me on we're going to trade this fifth-rounder in a third-rounder next year to get Trent Williams because none of these guys are on his level. I could get behind that. That still shows that you are trying to protect Joe Burrow. But to me, I think that them not addressing it kind of concerned me a little bit.
0: And, and, and this is the thing. You got to think the 49ers, fifth and third is not our third. Remember before the draft, we kept on saying uh this, the article, James, my boy James wrote an article. He said a mid-round is, the, is what everyone is saying now because Trent has, you know, he's pressed them out to their limit where they know that he's not playing for them anymore. So they got to do something. And our third round and possibly our fourth round could have yielded Trent Williams because it's the very first pick. It's not like the 49ers fifth and third round. And that's the other part of this that I'm like, I really wish they would have pulled the trigger on that because now the only thing we're looking at as a possible, the only reason that to me that would keep the Bengals out of the playoffs, the difference between the seven and nine team and a nine and seven team is not being able to unveil the playbook and just cohesion throughout the team. And part of that cohesion is comes from a strong, solid line group and people like Trent Williams don't need a whole season or a half a season to get that on deck, and so if you couple that with the things that they did on defense, to me, that's the difference between being seven and nine and possibly nine and seven. Now that seven teams get in the playoffs, to me, you know, like now, like granted, all fans want to fix every single flaw in the off season, right? But that's not the way it works, and that's why I live with at the beginning of this thing in twenty twenty. We learned the triangle offense. Twenty twenty one, we like unleash hell on everybody, right? And right. I think that's I think that's how the Bengals are playing it. Because the argument that you could have is that well, a Trent Williams is going to cost a good amount of money move forward. B, you stunt the growth of the young talent that the Bengals apparently really, really, really believe in for them not to make a move on the offensive line until the sixth round of the draft. So they have to have a lot of faith in these guys right there. So that that would be the only counter argument is that you stunt the growth. Of someone that you you know that you gotta move around or something like that. Some people um in the comments that wrote they wrote in different because I believe this is a great topic. Um, some people in the comments wrote, uh, I can't see how Dalton's presence in the locker room affects Burroughs' development. Martin says, um, somebody else says that uh why can't they work together? Because we don't we don't need that energy and see, see see me and you like go on Facebook, go on Twitter and stuff. There is a big group of people that really think that there's a need for Dalton as a backup in his locker room. You do not draft the number one draft pick in the NFL. This prospect that's come along to bless us just to have some guy that said, A, he wanted to be out of there as soon as they put him to the bench. B, believes that he's a starting quarterback in the NFL currently right now. C, has not won a playoff game what could he possibly tell a Heisman Trophy winner that just came off the greatest quarterback season in the NFL? Sometimes in life, it's like a baby being born. You cannot tell a parent how to be a parent, right, from somebody else that's another parent, and you're not going to tell them how they're, how they're going to raise. You have to learn on your own. And Joe Burrow is capable of raising his own burrow babies on his own, right? Because Dalton was never able to do that. So what could he tell me how to do? Like uh, workout regimens and stuff like that. I feel like Joe Burrow is a very smart guy and he could learn a lot of these different things. So the people that are saying, why doesn't it exist? Cause $17 million for a backup cannot work. Restructuring for a guy like that, that doesn't have the same attitude that Joe Burrow has currently right now, no matter how you want to look at Dalton, Um, As a great person, he does not have that this attitude and this hunger. He's gotten beat up for seven, eight years in the league or whatever. Like those personalities don't match anything that he could have had that would have been positive, got taken out of him when he threw four picks, you know, uh, and which all the all the positives that would have been able to offer him. Those are long gone.
1: And we have a concrete example of it being an uncomfortable situation for Joe Burrow when the media asked him right after he got picked, they asked him about Andy and he clearly pivoted away from the question. He said, that, well, that's not something that I can answer at this moment. That's more of a Zach Taylor question. That's more of an ownership question. So it clearly made him uncomfortable. Now, Andy... Andy reached out to him to congratulate him, but, I mean, that's Andy, but you just don't want a situation like that. You really don't want a guy looking over his back, especially as a rookie. Let's just say, for instance, Joe Burrow plays in his first game and he throws two interceptions. You don't want to pivot back to Andy Dalton or have a segment of your fan base saying bring back mm-hmm. Andy Dalton. We are fully in on Joe Burrow, and in order to fully commit to Joe Burrow, we have to give him the next Five years, five seasons of undivided competition, the same energy we gave Andy Dalton, where he had absolutely no one in his rearview mirror,
0: is what you have to give Joe Burrow. There's no room for him. Like I think Jeff Hopson wrote this one time before. He wrote this article, and I wish I could pull it up for everybody, but... It just says that they shouldn't even really even meet. Honestly, like Dalton saying congrats and everything like that just shows the quality of a person he is, and I really believe in him. You know, like as a person, and I think that he has enough talent to go win somewhere else. He deserves. Another shot to go somewhere else and a fresh start. He doesn't need to be pigeon pigeonholed in a situation. And if Burrow, like say Burrow comes out and throws three picks in a game, he doesn't ever need the question of someone taking his job. He needs to have the full keys to the Lambo and let's crank this bad boy out. If he went zero and sixteen. If he if he stayed predominantly if he stayed pretty much on his feet most of the time, I wouldn't say take him out one day. If he was out there getting killed and you're worried about your franchise quarterback, then you're you're going to start to look at some other uh, play, uh, pieces or quarterbacks like Dolagala Gala that that are backing them up. But that that's a scenario that that that's not even real. Like he's not going to go 0 16, and that's the only situation I can see you even thinking about taking him out. You get 0 and 8 in the season. And, then now, and, and he's getting killed. I, I, right. you got to preface it that way, too. It's not even just losing. Because he could lose and stay upright most of the game, and you wouldn't feel no type of way. I still say, hey, these are growing pains. We're going to learn from this and keep it moving. That's not happening. But if he was absolutely getting killed, I don't want him to get killed and think that Dalton's going to somehow save us. And let's just end it with this. If you are in the chat right now or you're out there saying Dalton, 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 it still should be. I would love to see him mentoring. He doesn't offer anything. From a mentoring aspect for a proven winner, right for 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 Joe Burrow, that's just right. my belief. But more than anything, seventeen million dollars. That's it.
1: Yeah, seventeen million dollars. It, too it much, can't though. exist. On a it roster. looks like we have my guy Corey Turner in the chat that just gave us a super chat. Appreciate that, Corey. Uh, Zim, we got Burrow. You right. Hope we win. hashtag Humble Pie. So shout out to Corey right there. Uh, I believe. Shout out to yeah. my man,
0: Diddy, at work in here. He said he's at work. Diddy, thank you. You don't want you to get fired, but we appreciate you listening.
1: Right. So, moving on to the next pick, T. Higgins in the second
0: round. Uh, Hold I on. Think- let, me, let me let me say this board real quick for you. This is what Dalton could have possibly got to. Let me tell you about the fourth round. Sadiq Charles, the tackle from LSU. Solomon Kinley, the guard from Georgia. Troy Pye Jr., the corner from Notre Dame. Uh, uh, ben Bartsch, the tackle from St. John's. Your boy Albert that ran the four four the tight end. These are all fourth-round talents. So along you you probably wouldn't even have gone for a King Davis Gaither because no linebacker run had even started. You go right. get your tackle, you go get your guard with that fourth-round pick that Dalton probably could yield. Then you come back and still get a King Davis Gaither. And that's what I meant about the the difference between one game right there and and it's not fair in They owe us an explanation for what's going on with Dalton. And if they don't give it to us, they better give it to Dalton because he deserves that for putting in all that work for all those years, whether I like him or not. Sorry, let's go into T. Higgins.
1: Yeah, no problem. Before we get into T. Higgins, uh, Martone said that he wants a shirt like mine. If you are looking for this Joe Exotic T-shirt that I am wearing for all those listening on the podcast, if you follow the YouTube channel, New Stripe City, we do these shows live through there. But for those uh, who can see, I have... I happen to be wearing a Joe Exotic Tiger King t-shirt. Uh, if you are interested in it, if you check the description, there is a link to where you can purchase it. And we also now, get a percentage now if you want of that. A bur-
0: if you want a burrow jersey from my man Aces, look in the link. Hold up.
1: That Burrow baby jersey, if you really want the Burrow jersey also as well, you want to pre-order yours and get it shipped, you can check the link in the description through Fanatics. You can get that, and you can also get my man T. Higgins' jersey that we're going to talk about next. So, Zim made a great point about the Bengals having an extra fourth-round pick, but let's talk about where this draft just really kind of exploded. Uh, The 33rd pick. So, the Bengals had 24 hours. You know, all of these picks come off. There's still guys like Grant Dale There's still guys like Josh Jones there. There's a ton of guys that shouldn't have been there that were there. And the whole time, everyone's thinking Denzel Mims, Josh Jones. For me personally, I you guys that have been listening to this know that I always envision that second round pick being an offensive tackle. Uh, for me, wide receiver wasn't an immediate need. And when I say immediate, I mean for next season. Obviously, in the 2021 season, there is a need for a receiver there. But I felt like we could get by. Uh, when, when T. Higgins' name was brought up, he was the only guy at receiver that I really considered and would have understood the Bengals taking because, in my mind, T. Higgins was a first-round talent he performed at Clemson. When you look at Clemson's track record in terms of wide receivers, you can't complain because you got DeAndre Hopkins, you got Sammy Watkins, you have Mike Williams, you have all of these notable guys that came out of Clemson. And the fact that the Bengals had the cojones, big cojones, and hairy cojones to pull the trigger on T. Higgins, if you guys were watching, you, see, you saw that I loved that pick because, to me, there is no way that you should have picked Denzel Mims, in my opinion, over T Higgins with T Higgins on the board if you were going to go receiver. So I immediately loved the pick. And I, I initially kind of thought, is this something that we can that we can work with? Is this something that is going to be able to be something to give this offense the jolt that it needs. And I think that it does. And I think that you also keep John Ross. Look, there's no reason to get rid of John Ross because it's only going to cost you money. Why give John Ross to another team? This is a guy that has shown, and that was one of the main reasons that I was so pressed about offensive tackle is i understand john ross has had an injury history right you guys know from day one i wasn't the biggest ross guy but come on after what this man did in the first two weeks of last season that showed you that there is something there with john ross and he did that without aj green and without joe burrow at quarterback so i wanted to see him there just imagine seeing these guys go five wide. it's potentially scary zim z higgins what are your thoughts (laughs) on t higgins
0: if y'all listening to this, I change my name every single episode, and today I'm Z Higgins. But um, I like y'all want to get them who they fired up. Talk about wide receivers, cause that's one thing. When we did our first mock, it's a couple guys that are in here that were when we did our first mock. I went T Higgins. I was showing you the highlights. That was my pick, right? And I got talked out of. I was like, Nah, let me calm down, Zim. But when T Higgins went across the screen, it totally shocked me. It was clearly the best player available on the Bengals board, whether you agree with it or not, whether you feel like they should address some other needs. But a lot of times we talk about best player available before the draft, and then afterwards I see a lot of people saying, we should have got a tackle. Yes, we need – We I, I want to be a lead at that position. But if you're thinking – and I said this a bunch of times on the pod, and I think Ace probably said some stuff to this, this sentiment too. John Ross, if he has a good year this year, right – you're not going to be able to afford him the year after because you got to pay A.J. Green. If he has a bad year, the John Ross project is over. You don't pick up his fifth-year option, right? What you're banking on with John Ross is a, is a third-round compensatory pick at his highest form because of his first-round pedigree, losing him in free agency if he had a good year, right? And that's the play with John Ross. So you keep John Ross because he could yield you back a third or a fourth the following year anyway. So there's no scenario where you should trade him for anything because you wouldn't get what you potentially could get anyway, and you have the rights to them right now and just let them play out this uh, contract. Somebody said, what size is this jersey? Is a medium. Um, the next thing is that I asked this question before the draft was, name me, and I, I tried to get prizes out and everything. Nobody could do it. Name me a number one quarterback that was drafted in the NFL that had this many weapons. At his disposal day one. The only team that got close to, it, and I saw Diddy tell me this. Diddy is the only person that told me on Twitter, there has never been a person except you could argue, maybe Cam Newton, that had these weapons year one. And Cam Newton had Jonathan Stewart, he had the other running back, he had Olsen, he had Steve Smith, a young Brandon LaFell, and probably like another guy or two. And that was before I said T. Higgins came to the roster. Now that T. Higgins is on the roster. I would argue this. My new contest is this. What wide receiver core is better than the Bengals wide receiving core right now? I hear a lot of Eagles. I've heard a couple Bucks. I don't buy it. I've heard, right. I've heard I've heard I've heard some Cowboys and Cowboys in yep, the Cowboys. Yep.
1: I've the heard that. The only, the only thing I can ask about the the rookie quarterback. Weapons thing. Is, Come on. Does it's this it's player it's did this player have to have played his rookie year? Yes. Number okay, one so that that I was gonna say so I was gonna go with Pat first, Mahomes, yes. but Pat Mahomes yes. didn't play his first it, year, it so He can't.
0: It was he was taken as right. an insurance pick. So a lot of the angst and a lot of the and the reason why I ask that question is because I always have a meaning behind all these questions. Is the meaning wise because the people that are scared to death of picking a quarterback and a and a quarterback failing. They always go to the people that failed before them, the Jameis Winston. I wouldn't even say Jameis Winston is a failure. But anybody that you can name, David Carr, like worst-case scenario, Ryan Leaf, right? They always point to, like, man, like these guys. did. The people that you can name, they never, ever had these resources. Nobody ever had that at their disposal as the number one pick. And that's the one thing that I will tell you. And that is an unbiased Bengals. I looked. I Look, I, I went to Andrew Luck. I went to everybody you could think of. There are a bunch of teams that always had one guy. Right. Um, I remember some players before this whole thing started out, players that I'm in contact with, they were all – remember I kept on saying Cam Newton, Cam Newton. The players really want Cam Newton that are on the Bengals. This is behind the scenes, right? right? They wanted Cam Newton, and the argument was that Cam ain't never had these type of weapons or whatever. And I said, yeah, Joe Burrow ain't never seen that. Like, y'all thought LSU was on fire out there or whatever? The weapons that he has right now, are y'all serious? Like, when you hear from a national standpoint, like, oh, the Bengals, uh, the, the LSU has so many people, like, yeah, they had a bunch of players. They had, like, what, nine players get drafted or something like that. And they had a – like, we have a whole NFL roster. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? So to compare a collegiate team to an NFL roster that has made it through this step in their career. And we're talking about Pro Bowl talent. Tyler right. Boyd. John Ross, eight touchdowns in one season. Whether you believe in him or not, there are players that have played five, six years in the league and haven't even sniffed eight touchdowns. And we're right. talking about at his lowest form. This is the best wide receiving core in the NFL, and it's never been another quarterback that's got drafted at this spot and been able been thrust right into it. So a lot of these stories where y'all uh, y'all point to and say, "Well, this is why quarterbacks don't work. We should just wait. We should just do that." Like, no. This is the time. The time is now. The guys are there. Joe Mixon is there. The players are there. The coaching staff is there, and the resources are given to Joe. The one thing that we're going to talk about as we go through this draft recap is the line. The next pick, T. Higgins, was that was an amazing pick, if I didn't speak on that as, as much, but I'll get fired up off of wide receivers. I was on T. Higgins board. The only thing that scared me off a little bit was the speed, but then but cool. Let's let's get into right. it. Long, long yeah,
1: term. For for me though, I think when you turn on the film though, he doesn't look like he has a speed problem. Like I I know people get caught hey, up hey, a hey, lot in hey, forty times. Is there. Right. Exactly. It's there. I think we saw something similar to Tyler Boyd. But moving on, the third round pick, Logan Wilson, not a surprise for me. This was actually a guy that I wanted. I just didn't like how early they took him. I'm I'm not. Upset it with it because it you never know. Yeah, well, Prime, that he was actually one of the first linebackers outside of Marcus Bailey, believe it or not, that I looked at because of Prime. And I liked Logan Wilson. Um, and I, I'm i not mad at them for taking him in the third round because there was a risk that if you get to the end of the third round or middle third round, somebody could have taken him. Uh, but I loved the pick just simply because it was – A linebacker. I mean, Bengals in third round linebackers, they love them. I honestly thought that they would go Josh Jones and should have gone Josh Jones, but I couldn't be mad about them going and getting a linebacker either at the same time.
0: The only thing that makes me feel good about not picking Josh Jones, because remember the talk before Higgins was picked, right? Uh, As collectively as a Houdé Nation, we all said Mims or Josh Jones the night before, right? Right. So what did the NFL tell us about Josh Jones? He wasn't worth a second round. And then he right. falls down in the third. So that kind of got rid of my angst. The athleticism and everything was there. But the things that I'm hearing back um, uh, from, like, people within that are connected to the sports world or whatever, or just feedback that you see online is just, like, people, teams just didn't buy into the dog in him or anything like that, which I, I'm not sure.
1: I don't, I don't. to be honest with you, if you were watching uh, the reaction to Logan Wilson, the Logan Wilson pick, they kind of kept hinting at it like without exactly explicitly saying, why didn't you pick Josh Jones? Because he was at the senior bowl Zach in a way. Now I can't, I can't say that this is what he meant, but this is how I took it. It seemed like he said that we were there with all of the guys at the senior bowl. And we knew that Logan Wilson, you know, essentially wasn't lazy. He had this drive and stuff like that. To me, it came off almost as, he was, was kind of saying that Josh Jones might have had some kind of issue there, and that might have been the reason why they didn't go so. with Josh Jones.
0: It's something there that we don't believe. I, this, is, this is the one thing that uh, fans got to realize is that Bengals have a system in place, and they're going to run it the way that they want to run it. There are players that probably don't meet up like – I'm gonna tell you the thing that killed me is to see Willie Gay go a couple uh, play picks right before. him. I've been told from the Bengals that they they didn't even have Willie Gay on their team. I mean, on their on their board at that spot, and Logan Wilson was the next guy. Jordan Brooks was the guy that they wanted right. at that that got picked at 27 from the Seahawks. They didn't want Willie Gay. So and also the
1: of, the linebacker from
0: that that the Ravens took, I heard, was also on their radar. With the second Queen. pick, Queen. Queen. Yep yeah and, and i mean you to me that that's the reason remember we had these arguments not even arguments discussions before right. the draft is if if we stay in this spot it will have to be because excuse me a guy like queen is just falling right into your lap and when queen didn't fall right into your lap i'm like okay so but this is the thing it was so much talent sitting right there in a second i i there's no way anybody was going to trade up because it's like Who are you trying to trade up to go get with all of these guys still there? Because the first round yielded seven, eight guys that had no business going in the first round, according to anybody's mock. So a lot of players, a lot of fans, I want to send this message to a lot of fans. A lot of fans say, what about the line? What about the line? If we're truly talking about best player available, if Josh Jones wasn't lit like we thought he was, and some of these other guys didn't warrant the second round pick, you cannot be mad at the fact that they went with the best person available who I truly believe was probably going to get picked the next pick or the pick after that in T. Higgins. By the time we get to down a Logan Wilson, if that's the number one linebacker on your board and you see right after it, no linebackers came. Uh, yeah, the linebackers that came off or whatever, it took a while. So it, it, there was a clear divide and the Bengals did right on that. In contrast, look at Drew Sample last year. He comes off the board. Nobody cares, right? It's just a, it's just a pick that is a reach. And you right. can see it's a reach because no run was started. No picks later uh, yielded another tight end close to that spot. So Logan Wilson wasn't my guy. My guy, Matt Minnick. Shout out to Matt Minnick. If you guys haven't heard his stuff, he does some chalk talk stuff on Cincy Jungle, which is amazing. But he was always on the Logan Wilson train. And he told me about that the night before. I had did a live with him. We were at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. And um, he was talking Logan Wilson's the guy that we should get. And we're also looking at Zach Bond. But I say all that to say this. I like that pick. But the pick after that is the pick of the draft to me. That's right. going to that's gonna make this whole thing pop. Like when we start talking about like longevity, I think you talk about Logan Wilson. You're talking about playmakers. You want to see highlights. You want to see Monday Night Football. The fourth round pick is the guy that is going to do that for us.
1: Let's talk about Akeem Davis-Gaither. This is your guy. This is your guy. We got to talk about I thought that this pick was amazing because it showed that the Bengals realized the linebackers were trash. And for me, this is what I've been wanting the Bengals to do for the last couple of years. And to see them finally do it, I was highly excited. And really, it kind of got my mind jogging because we know later on they also picked up Marcus Bailey. Does this mean that the Bengals are moving to a 3-4? I have no idea, but they have a hell of a lot of inside linebackers and linebackers that can do other things. The reason that I also like Akeem Davis-Gaither is because he's so out of the mode of what the Bengals usually go for, right? There were only about one or two guys when I went back and retouched up prom. I did find someone that was 225 pounds, but generally they kind of tend to – stay away from those prospects. So seeing the Bengals go out of their boxing and get, grab a guy like Akeem Davis Gaither that can be used in multiple positions where he can actually, he's he's um, even lined up at corner before. He can line up in the box. He can line up at safety. You can run him off the edge. This guy is a weapon. You can literally line him up and use him at any position. But I will be doing an injustice to keep talking. So this is the first time I ever heard of Akeem Davis Gaither. It was from my man Zim Higgins. Zim, let me <laughs> let me uh know what you thought about the the Keem Davis Gator pick.
0: Just just a backstory on this. Uh, I have a friend that's from Greensboro, North Carolina, that's always told me about. You know, he's mentioned them to me before, or whatever. That's where Keem Davis Gaither is from. If you all don't know, I I lived in North Carolina. I went to NC State. So that's the backstory. As the draft starts going along, I'm I'm watching something, and I just keep on saying this guy like pop off, go crazy. I I figure out a way I actually speak to him. He told me that his interview went really well with the Bengals. So I knew that in the back of my head the whole time. So that's the thing that I never disclosed to anybody. He said, I think it went really, really well, like really well. So when the fourth started off, th- and this is another thing. A couple days before I had messaged him. I even wrote on like one of his pages or something like that. I said, get ready to get, you know, to get it. Cause somebody else told me something else too. And I had a feeling that if he was on the board, it, but these are the type of guys every year that we talk about, like the guys that make plays when we were in free agency and I was really, really, and I wanted, um, haha ha Clinton Dix. It's because I watched play. I watched guys like Tyron Matthew and these guys that aren't the greatest at coverage or aren't the greatest at maybe one thing, but when the lights cut on, Something just clicks for certain guys. And a lot of Pittsburgh still. I hate to reference Pittsburgh Steelers on here, but they're, they have a lot of guys, and they're very, very good at this. The measurables don't really match up that well. A lot of times, they, they, they got a lot of head-scratching picks. There are some picks that, I, I mean, that they do do, and you'd be like, ah, I wish we would have got them. Very rarely. But... A lot of times they do this really, really good job of finding guys that perform well in very, very, very crunch scenarios. I don't know what they do from a scouting standpoint, but Akeem Davis Gaither, like, I don't know if you guys have seen the punt blocks. uh, They even had him return and stuff. Like, there's so many different things, and he just has a knack for getting the ball. Interceptions, slightly undersized, which made me feel like the Bengals might not go with it, but somebody had to talk to him and just say, go get a playmaker and figure out what to do with him. And Lou Anarumu, I have all the faith in the world is going to figure out something to do with this guy. You're, you're pairing them up. You're not just sitting them out there. And I don't even look at him as just a primary linebacker. I just feel like when you go to play the Ravens, like that's the answer. That right. kind of guy, that guy, sure, right. sure. Tackling like McKenzie Alexander, Von bill guys on the perimeter. Um, uh, even the kid that we're going to talk about that 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 I didn't I wasn't a big fan of, but setting the correct edge and having your linebackers go and seek out the quarterback and pick the correct angles. The worst yeah. thing that the linebackers uh, in previous Bengals uh, in the last decade, the 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 biggest flaw in a, a Nick Vigil is picking correct uh, lanes. finally you can have all the measurables in the world, but shedding blocks and different things. That's the reason I didn't want Kenneth Murray shedding Murray. blocks. Is a big thing and, and just having and get being able to dip and get low and, and figure out ways to get, you know, into the backfield, get, figure out ways to meet or run it back out in the flat, figure out different ways to be where the ball needs to be. Right. There's some players that got it and some don't. And the King Davis Gaither 100 percent has it. You right. want to talk about like play, the, the reason why we complain about some players a lot is because you don't see them do anything. And when you do see them, it's in a negative light. I promise you there's going to be a play or two every single game that you're going to say, damn, he broke that play up. He was in the backfield on that because certain players just got it. And sure. when you watch the highlights and you just you don't have to be a deep tape guy like my guy, Matt Minick. I rely on guys like that to give me all the measurables and make and, and Tell me what he's good and what he's bad at. But just watching highlights, just watching the, the, the things that we know. I just believed in him so early, and I and I, and I I would toot my own horn. I'm going to tell you about a guy that I don't really believe in a little further down, like, as far as, like, an impact on this team currently right now. But Akeem Davis-Gaither is a guy that I, I believe will have an impact day one. Um, He won't be thrust into the starting lineup. I think Logan Wilson will automatically, like, day one hit. Because you guys got to think, we got Josh Bynes, too. Like, this right. defense is lit. If, if somebody somebody said Chris Berry said if we score thirty points a game it's a failure my my, my mark will be twenty eight if you score twenty eight points a game with this team hundred percent nine and seven ten and six take that to the bank um, Nova says Zach we should have a five wide absolutely we're gonna run a five wide but if we can't it's gonna be the line I didn't know if you want to go through some of these questions but right i feel Um, like that that, that's what we're always missing is playmakers a lot of people
1: and i think myself included until i corrected my prime we talked about how small uh keem davis gaker was and i kind of got annoyed with some of the the media kind of just constantly asking him about that i don't know if you guys watched the recap video when they kind of talked to him but they had some weird questions in there but the Bengals have, in a sense, taken a linebacker his his size before in the past, and they did it in 2004 with Caleb Miller. Uh, he was a third-round pick as well. Well, third-round pick, not a fourth-round pick, uh, but he was 6'3", 225. So he was a guy that was weight-wise down there, and it's kind of crazy because the Bengals apparently were trying to go after that position at a smaller weight way back in 2004 before it became the trend. But well,
0: see, why did see that the only thing why didn't why weren't they interested in Devin Bush last year then? Right, right.
1: That's what that's what we have to but they they could have been and We don't know. The Steelers did trade in front of the Bengals to make sure that they took him. So it's it's no telling whether they would have went with Bush or not because he was taking a pick before. I guess we'll never know. But I yeah. think we're still good with Jonah Williams though, right? If you could take Jonah Williams and Akeem Davis Gaither. I mean, I think that you take that any day, right? But outside of that, I see a lot of people talking about my guy and the first guy that was at the top of prime, Logan Wilson was second. The first guy was Marcus Bailey, right? Immediately when I saw this guy, I went to the highlights and I was like, all right, oh, who, skip some rounds. Who is who is this guy? And I know I skipped some rounds, but I just wanted to talk about him because I know in the comments they've been they've been making comments on him. But they talked about Marcus Bailey. I looked at him and immediately on film, this guy stood out to me. And with me being ignorant and obviously not watching and keeping up with college football. I went and posted his stuff, and I was like, man, I'd take a mid-round flyer on on Marcus Bailey, and then come to find out he's had two ACL injuries and stuff like that. But outside of that, this pick really reminded me of the Rodney Anderson pick because you're getting tremendous value of a guy that is completely amazing. And when you watch him, he could easily end up being the best linebacker of this group that we've picked. No cap. No cap at all. Like his ball skills are amazing. This guy can do everything. He's very smart. Uh, he played at Purdue. I liked what I saw from him. And anybody that's an Ohio State fan understands who Marcus Bailey is. So that was good to see that they went after a guy like him. Him being from Ohio, which I honestly didn't even know that he was from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, that guy is I think he's going to be possibly the still of the draft. I can confidently say that I feel like Marcus Bailey is going to be the still of the draft because we got him in the seventh round. But um, I just had to say that real quick because, man, as soon as I saw that guy, I was just like, wow. And then people kind of let me down when they were like, oh, he's he's got all these knee injuries. It's probably not going to happen. But the fact <laughs> that they still took him in the seventh round, I and, think that this I, guy... I can't wait to see him pick off Big Ben. I feel like I have to speak that into existence because Mm -hmm. if you watch his highlight tape, it's nothing but him like picking off guys and And, like deep picks, too. Deep deep picks, picks. like down, way down together, like bro, with Pratt, with Josh Bonds. Like, that's why I'm wondering is this, are we gonna switch to the 34? Like, I'm gonna have to do some more research. Oh, oh, it's happening, but that 34 looks like it's, it's. It could potentially happen, people. You got to think it, about it. Josh Pines crazy. came from a three-four. Yes. DJ Reader came from a three-four. You know, some of these guys as they're picking, a lot of them have overlap at the same position. So for me, I think that that's it. Uh, but moving back and and going What's back it? into the fifth round, I believe that that was the pick where we took Hakeem, right? Or was that Kareem? Was it Kareem or Hakeem? It's hard to it's hard it's, to say. It, it's, it's Khalid Kareem. Khalid Kareem, uh, this guy, immediately when I saw him, I had never watched film on him. He was pretty decent on prime. For me, when I saw him, I saw a playmaker. The highlights that I looked at, when I look at highlights, I always look for who they're playing against. Are these big games? Is he playing at Ohio State? Is he playing at Alabama? What is he doing in this game? Is he making plays in those games? And for me, I saw a playmaker, and when we went live and we were kind of discussing it, I love the comparison to Wallace Gilberry. I heard yeah, a lot yeah, of people in yeah. the chat saying, oh, this guy looks like Wallace Gilberry. At first, I was kind of like, I don't know how this is going to work out. But the fact that he can be like Wallace Gilberry and be deployed in several different positions, I love the the fact that he was also coached by my man Larry Black that you might remember from uh, Hard Knocks that was on the Bengals that had that ankle injury. He coached him. I'm confident in the coaching that he put into him, and I'm going to be reaching out to Larry to see if we can possibly get him on the show. But I love the pick. Afterwards, at the time, I didn't love it. I thought it was like, man, this is a mistake. But after looking at the film and seeing what he can bring to the table, if this guy can be somewhat like Wallace Gilberry and end up developing into a guy yeah. that's really athletic. He's, he's, a, Bengal, he's a Bengals, he's a guy. Jonathan Fenene. That's who that's that is my ceiling for him. 2011 Jonathan Fenene. And if you don't know who that is, go back and watch the 2011 season. Jonathan nah, Fenene was, was a monster that season. Man,
0: if you look at if you look at Bengals uh guys that fit this mode, like a Frosty Rucker, Gilberry, like these guys that stay around for a while and you know that they 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 give you production. I do like it from that standpoint. At the time, though, and, and 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 again, I'm I'm not on the on the Bengals staff. There might there it there had to be a consensus thing that said, okay, we can take a tackle or a guard right here, but this guy isn't gonna beat out Jordan, or this guy is gonna. I think the conversation had to be that. And if the guy isn't beating out Michael Jordan, or the guy isn't beating out Xavier Philo, um, then why why are we picking him right there? And I guess that's how the conversation good went. But I felt like for our, our biggest weakness on the team, I just felt like that was a prime spot. And only time will tell if that was, you know, like, t- if that was the correct pick. I will say this. This guy, uh, Khalid Kareem, I don't think you're ever going to see a bunch of sacks. A lot of different highlights is, like, he's making he, he's making plays with his motor He's causing he's causing a lot of disruption, but the reason why I think his sacks low, um, his sacks were pretty low on I think his junior year or was it a senior, year, is because there's a lot of highlights where he doesn't get all the way to the quarterback, right. and when he and, it, and when he is there, he does he might cause a fumble every once in a while, but you see a lot of pressure and, and and just a set the edge type of guy, and I just don't believe from a Bengals standpoint, like the guys that they that they already have like Andrew Browns of the world. Or uh 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 and and I'm grouping all of our front together now because you're going to see these different five man fronts and they're going to be mixing it up all over the place. So on game day, only ten are going to get carried on 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 game day, right? And I'm just doing quick math. Who's the tenth guy out? Like Ren? Like they kind of went pretty. They invested pretty high in Ren last year. Like there there's some guys. Quick question for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Ranel Ren or Josh Tupo, because I honestly like Tupo. I like Tupo. I like, all Tupo. I Tupo, like Tupo. All
0: Tupo all day. I but like I'm Tupo. just saying, I'm just saying, if 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 you're going out there you're not going to dress more than 10 on the on the on the front, right? One of these guys that we already have, like a Andrew Brown, uh Glass, I call, Gla- yeah, I, I call him Young Glaze. Yeah, i call him Young Glaze because that's his name on Instagram. I love that name. But um, these guys that they've already invested in that they do like. Where does Khalid Kareem, who does he push off the field? Because you already know Lawson, Hubbard, Reader, Atkins, Dunlap. That's your five, right? So these other guys, I'm saying, we already had five sitting there. Now, edge depth is really, really low. And I like right. the pick for the future. I just thought that was a prime opportunity to get a tackle or a guard. But especially if the Moody.
1: especially with Moody on the board, I think everybody wanted Moody and, and,
0: or, or Prince or Prince. Right, I mean, and I, for I mean, Moody to go the
1: next pick, like right after exactly. the Bengals picked him, that exactly. that
0: really hurt. I, I just think with the strength of Moody, the film that I've seen him knocking out, pancaking people, all that type of crazy stuff, we don't have guys like that debt wise on the line now. So right. if if we're talking about somebody that's going to impact a game right now, I would my bet would be on Moody. I take the right. the five, you know, what I'm saying the ten to one on that versus, you know, like this twenty to one on on Khalid Kareem. Like I just And, don't. I,
1: and I think for me, those were some of the downs of this draft. Like I, I hear people saying that you know everyone gave the Bengals A's, and we're not knocking them, right? But don't forget, right. last year a lot of people gave the Bengals A's too. So we saw how that. How that turned out. So I, tell And, you what and, I, and I didn't
0: like I didn't. I never felt like I I if y'all go back to my draft from last year. Um I, I graded it a C plus B minus like half the time. And right. the only reason why I'm not giving this one an A just off the break is because they did not they did not move the dog. And to me, that was that's a part of the draft to me. Like that's the story that goes untold. And, and I'll never forget the talent that was there in the fourth round because then we are having a conversation about is Khalid Kareem the pick right there? You got the luxury of doing it right there and, and filling in that depth. If somebody goes down and, and can't immediately, we'll probably say, well, Khalid Kareem is gonna have, he's going to see the field. But I just don't see uh, I don't see who if they're they're never dressing more than 10 uh, on it on the interior. front. I mean, yeah, on the defensive front. So I just for me. Impact playing right away. I can see Logan Wilson and Pratt all day off the break. Then I can go all, and then I see Akeem davis there at the very minimum, special teams, all day, in the dime package, all day, right now. 200, 300 snaps, minimum, first year. Khalid Kareem, I don't see how he gets on the field right away unless I'm not seeing something. And that goes into our sixth-round pick, where all right, we finally go into the right, offensive right. line.
1: I can't remember his last name. I know it's pronounced a certain way, uh, but we're going to call him Mr. Hakeem. Uh, Hakeem, for me, Adenji. H- Hakeem Adenji. Uh For me, I think that this was a a pick that could potentially mean something in a few years. He's a guy that has a lot of potential. Matt Minick, who we follow on Twitter, uh, Coach Minick. I think is very high on this guy. There were some other writers around the NFL that were high on this guy. Seems like a guy with a high ceiling if they can get that potential out of him. So I'm not mad at this pick. This is a guy that will come in at the guard position and compete. And I think that for us not really having much there at the left guard and right guard position, I would love to see this guy be like a Trey Hopkins kind of guy to come in, end up you know making potentially a run at the starting position. So I wasn't mad with that at all.
0: Yeah, I, I I love that pick. I, I actually did. I didn't know too much about him. I started watching the highlights. Like that's that's a guy I didn't have an opinion on. I knew that they had to get a line. They had to get some lines somewhere. And if that's their guy and it, and, it, and, it, and he dropped down to the sixth zone, then hey, so be it. That's awesome. I just like some of the talent, like Moody. I, I really think from an impact standpoint, compete in day one. I just think he makes the room better, and that was my thoughts on that. This a Digi guy. I think he'll do really well. I think he'll be somebody that they can keep around for a while. And who knows, like, he might be the sleeper of the whole entire draft. For me, I'm always looking at impact because fans get impatient. You know, I'm patient enough to know that right now we are building some crazy blocks. I think 2020 this draft set up 2021 season like more than anything. Not this season, but 2021, I feel like it's going to give them free reigns to do anything they want. Make any move that they want. If they come, if they get close to the playoffs or just make the playoffs and say they get one win or something like that, I think it's gonna be full throttle come 2021, where the whole league is like scared to death like of this offense. Like and and it really set it up like that. And John Ross is gonna have to figure out what is he gonna, you know, like what is his role and how can he make an impact on his team? And if he can, it that's the difference to me to making this whole thing work because as we're highlighting a lot of this defense and then we get, now we're getting into the depth and you kind of talked on um the, the guy, the kid from Purdue a little bit. um I, I just feel like the young talent that's there is just so, so, so special right now. And right. they are really buying into the four year window of a quarterback.
1: So one thing that I just found on Twitter here is I may have realized why the Patriots have not traded for Andy Dalton. Uh, as of now, the ten top ten teams with the least cap space post draft, the Patriots are number two. They only have a million dollars right now, people. So that could be the reason and a hangup of why they haven't traded for Andy Dalton. What because the Jags got? Clearly, they're sixteen million dollars short. What, is, uh, what the is, Jags? What the guys it guys? doesn't say. Unfortunately, they only showed which this list. Neither of these lists included us, so it seems like we and the Jags must be in the middle. Uh, Albert Breer tweeted the top 10 teams with the most cap space post-draft, and then he also tweeted the top 10 teams with the least cap space post-draft. So,
0: apparently, apparently
1: Jacksonville is probably our well, only shot. Well, we let's see,
0: over, over and I don't know. This was updated. I'm not sure when this was updated, but uh, team cap space on the last updated one I have is 18-5. 18 million five hundred dollars. I mean <laughs> eighteen five for the Bengals. 18, no, for the Jags. They have the Jags.
1: yeah, they probably do have around eighteen. Now, five. now
0: one thing that I've been throwing around the holding because yeah, I mean, and then you gotta think too, they're gonna move but I think uh, with aren't so, they moving Yannick?
1: Yeah, they're gonna move Yannick, but I think he, this is what cap you at have 17 to 17 mil. This is what you have to think of too. Would you rather have uh Trevor Lawrence or Andy Dalton? I think they'd rather have Trevor Lawrence. See, I think the Jags are doing exactly what Miami tried to do last year and what we ended up accomplishing. And I think yeah. they would feel like now they do have Jay Gruden there, so that's a great point. But I don't think that they're trying to win this year. And I think, yeah. like, I think they would be better yeah. off, like, because if you bring Andy Dalton in, obviously, once we got to the 0-8 spot, How we missed him. Get up. <laughs> he got us he got us a couple, but I think once we got to 0-8, <laughs> we were just like, we're going to shut him down so that he doesn't mess this up at all. And the last thing that you want to be is in a position where luckily Miami lucked out because Tua goes down and has that injury, so he they still got their guy. But imagine if they wouldn't have, right? So mm-hmm. the last thing Jacksonville wants to do is bring in a guy like Andy Dalton that could potentially get them wins, and then you lose and out that- on Trevor Lawrence. That's the only – see – I loved Jacksonville until I or realized that they were just straight up tanking it. Like Jacksonville, straight up tanking. Yeah, it. Like yeah they're, they're trading they're away everybody.
0: Of, they're trading away Leonard Fournette. I, see, that was when we started off the show. I thought Leonard Fournette and I thought Andy Dalton would get traded after day one. I really right. thought that. Like, I don't know why I felt like that. I just thought I would wake up and see da na da na na. Right.
1: Yeah, Going was into our last like,
0: pick, you had talked about our seven round pick. Uh, from Purdue, you had some good information on them. Like like I said earlier, like every highlight I saw. I mean, I'm talking deep interceptions in the scene. I think special teams they won.
1: Just Google Marcus Bailey and it's Marcus with his K. M-A-R-K-U-S Bailey highlights and just watch them.
0: Um and do you want to oh go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't know if you wanted to go. It was a lot of good questions. Someone just wrote about mixing right now because someone was asking me this earlier, too. We had a prime opportunity to get some big-time running backs. Do you think that the Bengals made a, a mistake by not going and getting a running back in this drive?
1: Not at all because I think when you look at it, and I think we kind of talked about it, too, uh, with them signing Jaquez Patrick and already having Rodney Anderson and already having Trevion Williams and Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon, there really wasn't a need for them to reach and and take a running back, right? Because, I realistically, outside of a position like linebacker and stuff like that, running back is probably one of the strongest positions on this roster it's not like a linebacker position it's not like an offensive tackle position so for me with them having that stable of running back set there and in my opinion I think the biggest sleeper out of all of them is really Rodney Anderson seeing what he did last year there really wasn't no reason for them to take one and I mean last year they doubled up at the position so for me obviously those were guys that Zach believed in
0: and so for me it wasn't really a need for them to take a running back. You know the biggest sleeper in all of this, and all the running backs this season? I mean, coming up? Who? Gio Bernard. Because from a pass protection standpoint, the one thing that Joe Mixon can't do is block. And that's right. been his Achilles heel. And Gio Bernard is going to be on the field. We're talking five wide sets and all this crazy stuff like that. Best Gio's believe- out there. Gio's out there. and that's It's funny not- because...
1: It's funny because I've been doing my Madden, my Madden thing, and someone kept saying, Why is Geo out there so much? Because we're going five wide. Like, that's what's gonna happen. Like Zim pointed on, like, he's the best pass protecting running back. And I mean, you paid him all of that money. He's gotta he's gotta earn yeah, some of that. The money.
0: Yep, the money. Um uh Madden Dragon says the legend of Kitna becomes the legend of Dalton. Sean Lee says we're almost beating the Steelers with AJ Dalton wins that game. Easy. Um I'm yeah, to they were get-
1: talking about 2015.
0: Okay, all right. I'm trying to get into that. Uh, Sean Lee says, I'm a leg and thumb away from two Super Bowls. Oh, yeah, okay, he's talking yeah. about Carson
1: Palmer and, and Andy Dalton going down. He, he feels like those were two or a couple of injuries that kept us from Super
0: Bowls. who uh, they says, I think a B-plus only because of the uncertainty with the few last B, uh, picks. And I guess that kind of gets me into the point where I was going to ask you, what would you grade this whole draft?
1: Uh, I would have to give it a B. I'm going to give it a solid B. Um, I I was thinking B plus, like if I'm being on the optimistic side, I would probably say a B plus. But for me, it's a B just simply because there were times where they could have addressed the offensive line. And and that could be a number of ways, whether it was just picking a certain guy at a certain place, especially Moody, kind of comes to mind when I think about that the most, whether it's taking that pick that you picked with Hakeem, which was a fifth-rounder, and pairing that with a third-rounder to get Trent Williams. To me, those are, are, are things that they could have done. Now, for me, when I look at this offensive line, yes, it has Jonah Williams coming back. I am excited about Jonah coming back, but there's still a lot of question marks. We have to remember that Xavier Suafilo was a backup, and he was a reserve, and he did have some up-and-down times before he got to Dallas. You have to remember that. Uh, you also have to think about Bobby Hart manning that right tackle position. Is Bobby Hart the worst? Is he Cedric Oboehe? No, he's not. But he was at some times inconsistent last season. You lost Cordy Glenn. Even though we all were upset about Cordy Glenn, the truth of the matter was he still was obviously one of our best linemen that we had last year that we didn't have. And we won't have him this year. Uh, you look at Michael Jordan. We're really depending on him to take the next step next year. And we're also looking at our man, Fred Johnson, who we both like. But when I talked to Austin Gale, he didn't seem to be as high on Fred Johnson as all of our fan base was. But these are guys that we're betting on. And I just think when you have a guy like Joe Burrow coming in, yes, it's nice to get him new weapons like T. Higgins, and it's nice to get guys for that defense for them and to go out in free agency and get these guys but i really just would have liked for them to do a little bit more on the offensive line so that's what makes it a b
0: for me zim for me i gotta go a b2 i would i mean if you would have went just rounds one through four that's an a plus to me i really i really feel like logan wilson fits what they need with this new defense and Akeem davis gaither is the is the playmaker that goes along with it that I just think would just go so crazy. I just didn't like the one thing I will say, and, and I don't take away a grade just because I didn't get my guy, but to see Willie Gay come off a couple picks right before then, it kind of changes it. Cause ha- say you get Willie Gay right there, then you don't have to get a King Davis gate because it, essentially in coverage, you're getting the same thing from a linebacker core, and you don't want to be undersized too much with two smaller linebackers. So I just thought that that was the one misstep right there. The other misstep was the Dalton one. The other, and then the third misstep was the 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 Khalid Kareem pick. the The timing of it, when you see the board, the Moody, like all all these different things around it, that I just I felt like we could have went a different direction because the number one mantra for the whole entire season is by all costs protect Joe Burrow.
1: Right, I have to agree with you on that. And shout out to Doug uh, in the chat, Doug. McMenamin McMenamin. I'm sorry if I'm butchering McMenomen. that. Uh, appreciate appreciate that, uh, and appreciate your kind comments on us being spot on for the analysis. Uh, but yeah, I have to agree with you, Zim. I think that I saw some people like overrating it, saying that this was the best Bengals draft of all time. I, f- I was excited coming out of it, but I did not share those sentiments.
0: I don't think it's the best of all time. Cause, I mean. You know, like, I try to take my personal away from it because in my mind, every time I saw the board, like, even even in hindsight, I still probably look at the second round as much as I'm the biggest proponent of wide receivers and playmakers on offense. Like, just give me firepower. I, I watched the Chiefs got, have the most average defense. Like, the corners and the safeties from the Chiefs, I don't think y'all believe Mr. Defense wins championship, guys. Like, I don't believe, I don't think y'all realize how bad off they were the year prior. And then they added a couple pieces. But their number one defense is their offense. Your offense is your defense. Oh, like, the I
1: Steelers be- fans are scared. We have a Steelers fan in our midst, it looks like. <laughs> Eddie Blanks. Eddie. You ready for the Burrow era. What's That's up, Eddie? Burrow Eddie,
0: we're going to cook you up. I hope you got some George Foreman's over there because we're going to put you on the skillet, young man. Yes, sir. Hey my but look, go ahead. But 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 I, I say that to say like it's not about me getting my guys. If you could show me a, a a a good plan, then I can buy into it. And I bought into this plan that they have. I couldn't buy into that plan they had last year. And I think the groundwork for a lot of stuff is go, is is good. If you didn't get T Higgins right then, you would have had to get some type of T Higgins the year after. And what did I say to Pod right before that? I said I never want to be in a position And and I don't look at stuff at the end result. Everybody says, "Well, Tyler Boyd ended up being a great pick." Tyler Boyd was the most forced pick at the time that I can remember because we had just lost Marvin and Sanu and Sanu, and at the time, all the guys that they wanted—the Will Fullers, the Trey Wills, the Dot—I really wanted Dotson—and all of these guys ended up being trash, right? But we were y'all. Everybody doesn't remember we weren't looking for a slot receiver, and Ace loved Tyler Boyd, and we weren't looking for that. We were looking for speed. And, and that was a situation that was, I, I did not like that pick in the second round. Now it worked out and I'll be, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I did not believe in that pick, but Tyler boy, right. absolutely. But if we didn't do uh Higgins this this draft, we would have came back next year, been looking at our version of Judy next year in the twenty in the 20th pick in the draft. Right. Or we would have been looking at somebody potentially like Higgins in the second, like falling to us. So for them getting it right now, whether you like it or not, they would have had to do the same exact thing next year because once Ross rolls and if they don't figure out this A.J. Green thing or if A.J. Green gets injured or anything like that, you're going to have to do the same exact thing. Why not make one uh position group on your team elite? And right now, even if it's not the best, it's top three in the NFL. And right there, that, that alone gets you wins. Period. Uh, big shout
1: out to get low who before I go into this next super chat. He said that the word is out. Our show is blowing up. Appreciate that. Uh, this is the orange is the new black podcast. We're part of the sensei jungle podcast syndicate. You can subscribe to us on any podcast medium that you listen to, preferably Apple. If you don't have Apple uh, stream us on any of those platforms under the name sensei jungle. Uh, you can find myself on YouTube, at New Stripe City. Uh, you can find me there. You can find Zim on Instagram, at Zim underscore Hude on Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter. Mine is at New Stripe City. His is at Zim Hude, all one word on on Twitter. Uh, Alonzo asks, what will our record this year be realistically? I know Zim doesn't really like to get into this kind of stuff, but he has been Zim Stradamus. I kind of, I to be honest, Zim, now remember i was the first one that was talking about speaking things into existence with tua and i remember you called me out and you were like are you do you really want to do this to yourself but then you followed it up with the burrow so let's get into this record for me i can confidently say nine and seven that's where i'm at with it i'm thinking nine and seven Uh, I don't know if with them allowing more teams into the playoffs, if that means that we get this spot. But for me, based off of this draft, based off of free agency, based off of teams having to adjust to Joe Burrow. That's another thing. People aren't going to have film on him. I can confidently say nine and seven, especially with all of this firepower and all of these improvements. Zim, what are your
0: thoughts? Let me ask you, does nine and seven get you in the playoffs?
1: That I'm not sure, because now that we have this this whole thing with seven teams. With the seven teams, I think nine and seven can get you in there, but this is a tough division.
0: We get we get in the playoffs with a guy like Joe Burrow. I'm telling y'all now, all that all that 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 that, that angst of getting your first playoff win, that'll be the least of your worries. That would be a wild card team that nobody wants to play. A hungry young Joe Burrow without a worry if he managed to get to a nine and seven year one. Right. Like, can you imagine that? You won't ever in this. Oh, uh, like man, it's it's easily
1: gonna be gonna be a, a exciting season. Uh, but with that being said, we can go ahead and oh, hold on, we're gonna bring them back
0: in. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Can y'all hear me? Yep, we can hear you. Yeah, you will never ever run into that 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 scenario ever again where you got a guy and you can't, you know, you can't make it work.
1: Right. Well, thank you guys for listening to the show. We appreciate it. This has been us uh, doing our recap of the draft. Definitely be sure to subscribe to the podcast To subscribe to me and Zim on our various platforms. If you haven't gotten you a hat for the draft, you still want to get a Burrow Babies t-shirt. Be sure to visit zimhude.com if you're looking to purchase one of those as well. If you're looking to purchase any of the other stuff, be sure to check the description on this video and we'll leave you guys with a hude. Hood. We had
0: like a hundred and something people in here, bro. Woo. 150. Let's go. 150, and we just rolled on out.